on a soul level, I slept better that night thinking, you don't have to go slower. You don't have to play smaller. You can do more because there's other people out there in the world doing it like that. And it was just so, uh, it was just really impactful for me to not stress about how am I going to reinvent my workshops to be less, to be less value, less, less information. I, I didn't want to do it, but I was looking for that confirmation. How are entrepreneurs like us daring bravely to build a stage, ditch the sweatpants and step up to the mic? How do we create our own transformative events? so we can get our message out into the world in a bigger way that's not only profitable, but it's actually something we can be proud of. That's the question. And the answers are inside this podcast. My name is Sarah Pfeiffer. Welcome to Green Room Central. Today, I've run in a Green Room Central studio, Suzanne Taylor King. In the exciting world of entrepreneurship, she has paved the path with dedication and innovation. Her 35-year journey is like a roller coaster of highs and lows. (laughs) Aren't all of ours? Oh my goodness. Learning lessons and having adventures in nurturing a six-figure business and masterfully navigating multiple seven-figure exits. You see, she's not just a business coach. She's a seasoned veteran of success and failure. I love it. Suzanne, welcome to Green Room Central Studios. Say hello to Lynchpin Nation. Hello, hello, nation. What's going on, Sarah? Thanks for having me. That we got to connect and have this conversation today. I, the the moment we met, I was like, oh my goodness, (laughs) I love this woman. She, you have like a sparkle in your eye, and you're like a huge smile and a huge heart, and I can tell that you're in the entrepreneurial space to make a huge impact and a difference. And I feel so similar in that respect. I, the kind of the premise of Green Room Central podcast is all about how the belief that being in the room is everything. And I wanted to start by, well, first, I think listeners know my I was in a room once that changed the entire course of my life. I got into a personal development room and four-day conference and came out and within 11 months had left a 16-year corporate career, had paid off all the debt I'd been under for a decade and a half, had moved my family across the country, had started a business. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what being in the room can do for a person. And I wonder... Is there a room that you could, uh, you can remember that changed the course of your life? Oh my gosh, there's really? so many. So many. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> uh, and one just happened okay. last week and I'll, I'll share that. But the, the major one was my best friend from high school, mm-hmm. her wedding. And we're going back 25 years ago. Um, I was married at the time in a very dysfunctional mm. relationship, but had a massively successful business. Wow. Okay. Wait, we might we might be going back longer than that. I like to forget how old I am sometimes. <laughs> um, but so the day of her wedding, um, I was mm-hmm. maid of honor, and I had this moment where. I walked into the reception. There's my parents and, um, you know, just a beautiful venue. And I thought to myself, what am I doing in this dysfunctional relationship all because I have a business that's making $5 million a year? This is, and I don't, I don't know what caused that just realization that I was not mm. happy. If, if if that wedding was happiness, I'm not mm. it because I'm in this dysfunctional relationship, but yet I have all this money. Mm. And, I, and I mean, money in excess to the point of parties and travel and 
buying myself a car and cash and, you know, extravagance. And it wasn't mm. what I wanted. And that was huge for me because I had worked for that for the past four or five years prior. And it, it was a point in my life at about 26 years old that I really figured out what was important to me. And it wasn't that. And I made the decision at that wedding to go home and leave my relationship, which meant leaving the business and leaving that huge income, going back to my career as a dental hygienist, and I could easily support myself Mm -hmm. with that career. But I lost my car. I had to get a new car that I could afford to pay for. And like, it was just this pivotal decision for me that made me a better person. One, but it also made me realize so much about being an entrepreneur and these goals that we have of income and profit and all of those things really weren't what was bringing me satisfaction. And what was bringing me happiness at that time was this community I had built around taking people on exclusive uh, travel snowboarding experiences all around the world. I would take 10 people on a trip and I would guide them. And that was making me happy. It wasn't making me much money, but it was getting me free trips and it was bringing this level of satisfaction that I wanted to experience as a human. And I knew moving forward, if I ever created another business, that it had to have those qualities. Were you doing um, those snowboarding trips while you were still married and in the successful business? Yeah. Yes. So it was yeah. that so yeah. something about the wedding and being in this like cocoon of love and happiness and joy was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. shown a light on, well, wait, I'm not happy. And and this juxtaposition yeah. that I thought money was happiness, but but wait, it must not be mm-hmm. for me. And did it take you a while after that to realize what piece or pieces of your life you were happy and content with? Or did you know in that moment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did not know in that moment until I actually made the decision, you know, going home from the wedding and putting the ball in roll, right? I I started the process of Mm. breaking up my marriage, getting divorced, um, and so many things. But I started right away. I mean, it was immediate decision. I would say within about five years, I realized what parts of that made me happy, looked at it as a gift, you know, starting over as a gift. And I'm a big believer in finding the gold when Mm. you screw up or make a mistake. Sometimes it just takes a little longer for you to actually find that gold. Um, And about five years after I started another business with a partner and it, it it just took off immediately. And I thought, yeah, this is the part I like the starting, the growing, the ideas that doing something innovative in a space. And what I didn't realize then that I know now is that I could have a career where I spend my time in the ideas, Mm. in the innovation, in the overhead view, but not in the minutia of running a business. Fabulous. We're so dissimilar in that, that I am madly in love with the details and the the minutia of systems and like no. how is how are things going to run efficiently and smoothly and like for like long term vision like how are we going to optimize this? Yeah, <laughs> and and 
And I, what I've realized about myself recently is the getting started is so hard for me. That's a big challenge. But then once I'm in it, mm. then I'm like super zoomed in. Uh, <laughs> so funny. So you're telling me that you took immediate action after being in that room, but then like the lessons yes. kind of, it took about five years to tease all of those out and come up with the mm -hmm. next business idea. And I'm wondering, because I mean, you had to have been fairly young when all of this was going down. Had Yeah, I was 20, wow. 26. Were you, were you in the personal development world yet? Had you met personal development? Okay. No, no, okay. no. It wasn't until after that, in a really low point of, you know, being mm -hmm. alone, not having a lot of money. And I, I had been very recently used yes. to having a lot, um, that I had this moment that I was feeling kind of low and kind of down. And I wanted to go visit my parents in Florida. And at the time, airline tickets were like 1200 bucks to fly to Florida. And I was like, crap, can't even afford that. Right. What did I do? Like I was contemplating if it was a mistake or not mm. what I did. And it was then that I found, and I can't remember how I found it, but it was a landmark weekend. And it was a weekend in Philadelphia with, and I don't know, even know what they call their weekend. And I went and I thought, oh, I, I haven't explored this space of really knowing myself on mm -hmm. a deeper level. And there was a couple books that came after that. And then one of my patients, when yep. I was a hygienist, offered me a mastermind group hey, you like to read, you're into personal growth. And I was like, <sighs> I am? Okay. And he invited me to this group that met twice a month on a Monday morning before work for coffee. And I said, what time are we talking? And he said, seven in the morning. And I was like, oh, that sounds horrible. Now I would love it. You know, because I'm an early bird now. But then I was like, oh, sounds yeah. awful. But that's when the first book we read was mm. Think and Grow Rich. Classic. And the second one was How to Win Friends mm. and Influence mm -hmm. People. And it was like I had found mm. my home, obviously. I love to read now. Can't get Same. enough of reading business books, personal development books, um, high performance habits yes. stuff. Um, and it just, I feel like that room really kicked things off for me. What was it about that room? Mm, that I almost mm. said no, that it was, I was the only woman, it was four men and they were much older than me. So I felt immediately like I had mentors. Immediately, you know, I had a couple business people who were in that entrepreneurial-ish space and just thought I had the most amazing ideas for mm -hmm. their business. And it was this reassurance along with the personal growth of having a mentor or two and was it the reassurance of that you had value in the business space mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you feel like you yeah. lost that when you were went back to dental hygiene absolutely absolutely I felt like you know kind of like a sports player when they leave their sport uh at a really high level you feel like you're mm -hmm. out of practice. You feel like you're out of the routine of it. And I just thought, I think it gave me hope that 
I could have another business or I could do something impactful as a solopreneur in a whole different way as I started to read and learn and actually have people to talk to Was about it, it. Reassurance that perhaps the business that you, was it a business you had started with your husband that you had left? You had st- that it wasn't a yeah. one hit wonder that you did have play a, a major role yes. in that success that. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's an important room right there. It is. And I will say the room that I was mm-hmm. in last week. Uh, so I've been told, uh, I don't know how many times to slow down, to deliver less content when I teach my workshops or my coaching programs. Less, less, less. You're too fast. It's too much. Uh, So many Mm. times. And I'll give this example. Two weeks ago, I had a workshop. I had 40 people there. And everyone said it was too much except for four. So four people loved it. And they were like, oh, yeah, more, more of that, please. And the other people were like, oh, deer in headlights. Oh, my God. Never experienced Suzanne before. That was crazy. That was too much. I got lost after 15 minutes. And going to a workshop last week of someone else's who is just like me, fire hose, so yes. much value. I took four pages of notes in an hour and I loved it. I love the fact that I was trying to mm. keep up mm. with the workshop. And I got this overall confirmation that that's the room I need to be mm. in. And I need to keep delivering just like that. Mm. And it was so, on a soul level, I slept better that night thinking, you don't have to go slower. You don't have to play smaller. You can do more because there's other people out there in the world doing it like that. And it was just so, uh, it was just really impactful for me to not stress about how am I going to reinvent my workshops to be less, to be less value, less, less information. I, I didn't want to do it, but I was looking for that confirmation. There's a comedian I love to follow on Instagram. Her name is Elise Myers. Mm-hmm. And have you, uh, have you seen her content? Yeah. Okay. So she mm-hmm. has some merch and one of them is if mm-hmm. I'm too much, go find less. <laughs> Love it. I feel Love like it. that's your, like the permission you were looking for and that you got in this room yeah. last week that mm-hmm. it's okay to be who you are. I, it's interesting. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I always say that to students that there's like, there's a, there, there's a person for everyone. Like there's a mentor for everyone. There's it, a mentor who yes. teaches the way that you learn and who speaks the way that you hear. And I've had so yes. many scenarios where I have written stuff down, learned stuff, gotten information in some way, whether it's a book or in an, an event or podcast, yeah. whatever. And multiple times over the span of years and then it takes one person saying it slightly different different yeah. and it suddenly yeah. lands and I'm like oh that's what that person and that person and that person and that person were trying to tell me and I'm so grateful yes. that they exist in the world and are like shining their light, working on making an impact because otherwise I wouldn't have learned that lesson. And so I think it's so important that, yeah, we stay true to who we are because you're that somebody for so many people. And it, it sounds like in that room Mm -hmm. that you hosted recently that the, what is the quick math? Is that like the 10% in the room that were like your Mm -hmm. pure magic 
that you're my, those are your people. Right. And it's just like, you need more rooms with more of those people in them. Right. And it does it. Yeah. But I think the key to that is the workshop I went to that of somebody Mm -hmm. I respect, like to the utmost level. Right. I love this guy. And I go to his workshop and of course he's got a hundred of those people in the room because he's standing in the fact of being like that. He's saying, look, if you want fluff, I'm not your guy. Yes. Better leave. So it, it was almost like this moment of, oh, Suzanne, just give yourself permission to mm. say that. And, you know, it's that whole thing, repel the people who aren't your ideal client immediately so they don't spend time 100%. hanging out with you, which it it's better. It's hard, it makes yeah. sense. You know, look at where right. we met. You and I met in someone mm-hmm. else's Yeah, someone program. else's room. We met. <laughs> and... I, I will tell know. you that I'm in that person's the, program now and it is a fire hose. Awesome. It's a fire I hose. And that. I'm at this and place I, where ooh. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't been in a fire hose mm-hmm. room like this before because this is so fire hose. And I'm like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm really good. And this is pushing me to, to do more and That's go so higher good. and be better. And I'm like very That's uncomfortable good. and it's making me. <laughs> Like, did I put myself in the right room? But every time I ask myself that question, I'm like, yeah, you did. Like, mm-hmm. you, you actually really enjoy yeah, this did. directness and this, like, this, like, no fluff and this, like, we're moving forward and everyone's going with us. <laughs> like, get your stuff together because yeah. let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so inspiring, you know, like, if I, my mentor is mm. 80 years old and she didn't start coaching until she mm. was 65. And I remember her telling me the story of her first coaching mm-hmm. offer and she had no website and obviously there was no real social media. Then somebody asked mm. for her help. Hey, could you do what you did for your husband could you do that for mm. my business? And she said, absolutely. I could actually do mm. more for your business because you would listen to me more than my husband did. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and he was like, okay, how much is it? And she crossed her fingers in her pocket and said, it's $1 million. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. ballsy. I love it. Yeah. But if you're going to coach somebody who has a, you know, $30 million right. a year company and take them to a billion dollars, a million bucks is nothing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it was just so like to hear her tell the story and get to spend time with someone like that mm-hmm. the guts mm-hmm. and the just natural ability that she had mm-hmm. of meeting people and connecting with the right people being in the right room mm. she knew she had to be that expensive or nobody would take her seriously so tell me what do you know at like a gut level after being in this room you described last week where, you know, it was a hundred people that were all like loving that same, the style that you are so good at. What, what did you know is like a, a pivot you have to make or a decision you have to make or a, like a path you have to take Mm. going forward now? Um, it, it was more that I don't mm. have to change anything. And I think that can be as freeing as knowing what you have to yeah. change. Um, 
just knowing that I don't have to mm. have a script and a, you know, a, a framework to follow for a workshop. I can do it here and ha and it's so impactful. Yeah, it was it was more the permission of it that no, you know what? You're good. And the people who are meant to be served mm. in that way line up. Mm. So good. Don't worry about the ones who complain. Because there's always going to be people who don't like the way you deliver or don't like something that you say or don't like something that you offer. And mm -hmm. it's really not about them. It's about mm -hmm. the ones who do. You know, I was working with a personal development coach recently and she was saying, well, perhaps you feel so chaotic because your targets aren't aligned. And mm -hmm. I'm almost wondering if what you experienced last week was you, you've got your targets like lined up in front of you and now you've just eliminated a few like oh wait I don't have to solve for that or that or charge after that yep. like how am I going to totally yep. reinvent myself kind of thing you just eliminated uh those targets now can go like mm -hmm. leapfrog and work after work on something yeah that you thought was further out because now you've just eliminated that work so to speak yeah yeah it's almost um you know clear targets uh, are mm -hmm. really important when it comes to goal setting. I'm a big numbers person. You know, you want five clients. I know I have to talk sure. to seven people. Okay. Um, so I know my numbers, but I, I think when it comes to delivery style, you know, hosting workshops, hosting events, and I do that all mm. the time, but I think the clarity that comes in knowing I deliver yeah. fire hose. Don't, don't come yep. to a workshop thinking that I'm going to spend 20, 30 minutes talking about myself. You want to know about me, go to my Read website. <laughs> yeah. Read the bio. We're going right. to move fast Read here. Read the bio. That, yeah. I think, I think that's a mistake people make when they're curating their experiences, their rooms is they, they mm -hmm. think they have to be everything to everyone. And that's actually why their mm. rooms aren't filling is because it's not clear who you're for and who you're not for. It seems like you just unlocked yeah. a huge piece last week. Well, yeah. Or, or, you know, sometimes I notice with a lot of my clients that they're following mm -hmm. a script or somebody's webinar outline that says, you know, for the first 20 minutes, you poke the pain and then you talk about yourself and how you solved it. And yes. like they're following this and then they do that every single time they have an event. So God forbid you have somebody who comes to two of your workshops and they have to sit through that and then you're hiding behind slides. Oh no. Like, please don't make mm. me do that. It and I I think that that's a product that somebody sold, right? Is that webinar formula mm -hmm. or the script. That that's a product somebody created, which it works for some people. It's not gonna work for everybody. Um, depending on your audience and you, I think you you have to lean into that thing that makes you unique and your unique genius and if it's not a script well most likely it isn't but being comfortable with the fact that i don't have a script here and i'm going to trust that the right information is going to come out with mm. my bullet points mm -hmm kind of co-creating when people support what they create and you're, you're saying like, well, I, yeah. I'm, you're really good at co-creating in, in real time with your audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me, 
you've had several successful exits and I'm wondering what are, what's something looking back over the, what is it? 30 plus years that you've been in business that you can say like from the very beginning, that was something I was so good at. And it's like your superpower and still Mm -hmm. kind of following you Mm -hmm. along. And maybe you didn't realize it was there in the first one or maybe even in the second one, but it's, you're just darn good at that. Building Mm. rapport with people, building that human connection, uh, having the person I'm talking to or with, or even a, a group of people feel Mm. seen, heard Mm. and valued. And that came from my dental career, 110%. Were you a dental hygienist before you built the business with your ex? Uh, yes, that's what I went to college for. So interesting. Uh, cause that's, that was my mm-hmm. mother's profession and yeah, really <laughs> my grandfather is a dentist and one of my uh-huh. mom's sisters is also a dental hygienist. I just feel like it's uh-huh. kind of in my family. <laughs> yeah. It's in the blood. And I just went to the dentist on yeah. Friday and I got like two thumbs up and I just take pride in the fact that they always tell that's me good. I doing a great job brushing and flossing because, you know, I'm my mother's daughter and I want to do a good job. And that's what she says (laughs) to do. Yeah. (laughs) So I, yeah. And I feel that I feel like it's interesting being in the dental chair because it's such a one-sided conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, think about, uh, I remember that's another room that changed. Um, my life. I stretched at the beginning of my coaching career and paid for a Tony Robbins mastermind group. There was about 500 people in this mastermind this before group. before or after the divorce? And the very... Okay. Yeah. After. And um, it was the very beginning of my health coaching journey. So 2009-ish. And uh, in this room of 500 people, um, we're on Zoom. No, we were on Skype. And we had to put what we did before we came, became a coach. And so this is 500 coaches in this mm-hmm. mastermind group. And, you know, I type in dental hygienist and it rolls up the chat. And Tony Robbins says, who is the dental hygienist? And I was like, Eek. he's going to talk to me. Oh, my God. And... He said, I want you to understand something. And he told me that this natural ability to go to a waiting room, call somebody's name who doesn't Mm. want to be there, who Mm. is maybe fearful Mm. or has anxiety about being there. And in the one minute walk back to your room, they get in a chair, lay down and invite you Mm. into their body. You have a skill of making people feel seen, Mm. safe, and they Mm. trust you. You will have no problem as a coach. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about all the dental hygienists I've worked with, and so many of them have that in common. Yeah. 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 I think it's a a personality thing you know? Huh? Yeah. I, I, I started laughing because after I got out of the chair on Thursday and walked to the front desk, uh-huh. I asked the, the front desk lady, I said it, cause I had a dental, different dental hygienist. And then I usually do. And I said, well, what happened to that girl that was here? Uh, cause I actually didn't mm-hmm. really care for the one that I had. And I didn't feel that warm and fuzzy, like, embrace and mm-hmm. I was missing the girl that had been there and I was like oh yeah she just she decided to leave dental hygiene and go to teaching and I was like oh sad <laughs> no more of those delightful walks <laughs> with that one that woman um that's right wow what a what an experience to have Tony say that to you that was another moment yeah. where did that feel like 
permission to keep going. Like, oh, wait, I, you do have some special skills here. It did. It did. And, the, and I think that program was $10,000. And that was a big stretch yeah. before I was making money as a coach. And that moment made it worth it. So like, it's almost like that moment of um, validation, mm-hmm. awareness that I naturally had an ability that I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. acknowledge it within myself. So um, that kind of made me really passionate about helping other people acknowledge that unique genius. And it's more than your certifications. It's more than, you know, what you do for a living. It's who you are as a person. Like, who were you before you started this business? And what have you been through struggle-wise, trauma-wise, you know, triumph-wise? Those are the things that actually go into making who you are as an entrepreneur. And I think without acknowledging them, there's opportunities that are missed. Um, Grief is a big thing. You know, I've had a lot of grief in my life, a lot of loss. And those are qualities in me that I can be more empathetic and more compassionate with my clients. And it's no surprise to me that within the past month or so, I've had four clients lose a parent or a sibling. And now I think I have 27 clients right now. That that's a lot in Mm -hmm. 27, you know, to, to have lost a parent or sibling in, in a month long period. But I feel so fortunate that I'm, able to share Mm. with them and listen in, in such a compassionate, empathetic way. And it's only because I've had those experiences too, that I can be that person for my clients. Yeah. I think the universe did align that (laughs) specifically. Yeah. I think so too. I think so too. That's a unique skill set. The, I need to come up with a different name for it. The the fire hose, the direct coaching, but yeah. also the super compassionate flip side. Hmm. I had a mentor a, a while ago who told me, uh, I can hold your hand. What? Hold your, hold your heart and kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've. Yeah. So it's, it's that braveness that's required, you know, to be an entrepreneur. But we do have to deeply know ourselves. And I could only ask my clients to do that if I Mm. was willing Mm. to do it. Say that again. You said we have to deeply know ourselves. Is that what you said? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I believe that so much. I have an episode that came out today, Mm. actually, on that topic that I just never expected to find myself in the personal development aisle of Barnes & Noble ever. Or, you know, the self-help, I think Mm. is what what it's called. (laughs) And I always knew that there was a shelf of books over there, but I definitely felt like that was Mm -hmm. probably like weird woo-woo that wasn't for me and it turns out it is for me (laughs) it's for all of us and I've been working with um, a therapist every week this year and that's been a game changer in that awareness yeah that you were talking about that kind of acknowledgement of who we are and what we've been Mm -hmm. through it's been massively helpful and I do think it's yeah. setting me up to be more coachable for sure, to be able to take on higher level coaches and be receptive to the coaching. Yeah. There's so much that we, it, yeah. 
I, yeah, I, I love that you said acknowledgement is huge. That it, and there's so much that we don't. There's so much that we don't realize that we went through that has set us up to be that allows us to be kind of superheroes in our our niche. And there's so much yeah. that happened for us that is also like a hindrance that we don't even know that we're. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Self-sabotage is I, what my biggest thing was over, over money. Of course, I I've had times in my life where I had a lot. I've had times in my life where I'd, yeah. I've had very little, but I was raised as a child to not ask for mm-hmm. money because nice girls don't ask their grandparents mm. for money. Really? Yeah. Nice girls don't ask for money. And I thought, God, I'm only seven. Mm. Why can't I ask for money? Right? But that message was so loud when I first became mm. a coach that I worked with everybody mm. for free. Unless they unless they handed unless they volunteered the money. Wow. Wow. That's, um, that's super powerful. Yeah. It... And I had, to, I had to realize that that was holding me back and it was through time in therapy, time in mm-hmm. personal development that, oh, that's, that's the message I hear in my head when it comes time to sign up a client. It's, Okay, you plan the schedule. They're they're going to be your client. Their first session is next mm-hmm. Tuesday, and then I would never say. And how would you like to pay? That went on for a year, and I finally had to say, and look at myself and say, okay, why is this happening? I don't mean to do that, but it's just mm. the default, and it's only because of self exploration and and knowing yourself on a really deep level oh that came from this and i can intentionally change that behavior yeah the uh, the identity piece that was mm-hmm. something that came up just last week for me was i'm really trying to dig into perfectionism and my therapist mm. said that well, what if you decided that the perfectionism was a coping and survival tactic that you started to use when you were little in order to get through? And because that was what was required in order to be in that environment. And that because it's a survival and coping mechanism, you can decide that that's not your identity and proceed in a different yeah. manner. It's like, wow, <laughs> that's interesting and super helpful. I, I wonder the money mindset of why can't I ask for money and that like nice girls don't ask mm-hmm. for money in the first business, did you put your, were you in a position where you were asking for money or did you put yourself in all the other roles? Yeah, but it was totally different. It was totally different Mm. because it was retail. People were getting something for something. It was tangible exchange, which feels very Mm -hmm. natural, normal. Like we're just, like that's yes. inherently in us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was a natural mm-hmm. exchange mm-hmm. of energy. But when it mm-hmm. came to coaching, that meant I'm putting a dollar value on my knowledge and my time. And that just felt foreign to me. Without some really deep work on it what um 
if you don't if you don't mind my asking what what do you think that you had to acknowledge in order to make the ask or make the ask for more oh boy uh there was so much there but uh mm-hmm. self-worth um that there was value in the knowledge I had accumulated and put together, uh, that there was value in spending time with me to reach your, you know, health Mm -hmm. goals. And yeah, it was all about me. It was all about that acknowledging that I had value and worth and an experience set that other people were wanting and needing and that was worth something. I I think that was a journey of, you know, self-worth, self-love, self-acceptance, no matter whether I was, you know, going to get into another relationship or whether I was going to be a parent someday. Like I had to do that work for everything, you know, not just for being a coach and asking for money, but I, I needed to do that work to be a good partner, to be a good mom, um, to be a better human. And I'm thankful that coaching made me address that. Yeah. Is there anything that you do on a daily basis now that still primes you to acknowledge, Mm. to continue to acknowledge the value and the worth and all the things so that you can continue to ask the money, ask for the money and make the sales. What is it? Yes. Yes. And every day, um, my carpet here in my office has circles in it. Yeah. Um, It's just in the design of the carpet. And I remembered this energy medicine activity called the circle of excellence, where you stand in a circle and you remember all of the knowledge and the things that you've experienced by physically putting them into the circle with you and go something like, I'm a product of all the books I've read, the courses I've taken, the mentorship I've received, the programs I've done, the people I've served, the conversations I've had. And as soon as I started to do that, just then, Mm. whole body goosebumps. And it's like a change in your cellular energy to remember how powerful you are. And that's that's the piece, is is the remembering is not Mm. a one-time thing. You have to do it over and over and over again until it becomes part of your cellular energy. Wow. So you're just like reminding yourself on a daily basis of your identity and what, what it, am I also hearing what it took to, to get there? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What it took. I mean, it was lots of all the books Mm -hmm. I've read, all the courses I've taken, all the conversations I've had, all the people that I've coached, um, the courses I've paid for the courses I took for free that like, there's so much that goes into that. Um, and every day is a little different, but the idea is the same is, is that remembering, you know, who you are and, what you've done to get yourself to today. And especially if you're helping other people, um, it's important to remember that even some of the bad things, you know? So would you almost, would you almost call it an arrival ritual into your, your day? Mm -hmm. I would call it like a priming exercise. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely, Um, it's a very distinct time in the day, you know, first thing in the morning, grab a cup of coffee, walk into my office. I, I stand by the window and look outside. It's typically first light of day. And I say a little prayer and I remember who I am 
and what I'm here to do. Mm. I'm uh, I'm such a practical person that the question that's coming to my mind is, do you do you read something? I've, I've heard of like uh, Donald Miller no. has like a like a binder with his eulogy and his one and five and 10 year mm-hmm. plan. And he reads them as a way to remember who he is and where he's mm. going. <clears throat> and <laughs> I love that. Too. I, I, I tried writing it uh, for a while, but then I found it was mm-hmm. the, the, the person in me who has the, the, the piece of me that's uh, constantly in scarcity was like, Oh, that's taking too much time. And, and I'm wasting it on the mm. writing. Uh, so I've gotten to, to reading uh, as well, kind of my own kind of put together acknowledgement of where I'm going. But I don't, I don't do this piece of where I've come and who I am and who I've served. And I'm loving that. What I like about it is the mm. energy aspect of it. Um. And I, I learned the most about energy medicine from Donna, Donna Eden, Eden Energy Medicine. And, you know, part of the vibe raising thing of it is energetically bringing the stuff to you. So if you imagine standing in a circle and you're physically saying I'm all the books I've read, the knowledge I've received, like you're actually bringing those things to you. And for me, I think that's part of it. And I'm not a super woo woo person, but I do believe in Mm -hmm. law of attraction and bringing things to you. And I know when I do that and I know when I'm attuned to that energy, mm. I'm unstoppable. When I doubt it, when I skip it, mm, I notice a difference. And to me, energy is everything. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> nice. Glad I got That's to share magical. it with you. I, I wonder... Before we wrap up, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what, what you're reading right now. Mm -hmm. What I'm reading, I am reading a book called Arate by Brian Johnson. Um, It's, I did a coaching program, a life coaching program with Brian about four or five years ago uh, called Optimize. And I did it for me, didn't do it for my coaching practice. And it was really ancient wisdom, Mm -hmm. modern tools and science and a lot of stoic philosophy, which I love. And a great cohort of people, again, all eating, moving, sleeping, meditating, eating, eating properly, exercising every day, you know, 500 people in this program. And it, it was just great energy to be around. And uh, he wrote a book, which is basically the coaching program in really short little chapters, wow. like one page chapters. And I love it. Um, so of course I bought it when it was released about a month ago. So I'm reading that upstairs. Uh, downstairs right now, is uh i have to look it is uh i am rereading convince them in 90 seconds and i had to look at the author nicholas boothman it is basically a body language energy uh way to captivate Mm -hmm. an audience and a way to read other people And, you know, reading energy and, you know, kind of commanding the room with your energy. And I, as soon as I heard about the book, it's a, it's an older book. It's like, Ooh, I'm going to have to read that. So that's my downstairs reading. I'm typically reading two books at a time, uh, one at night before bed that has no business relation. Like if I read business before bed, I can't sleep. 
So typically read something for myself <laughs> at night before bed. Uh, so I always thought I only read, was allowed to read one thing at a time and that that's what I did. But Ooh. I'm reflecting on how you described your reading right now. And I actually, I don't mm-hmm. have an upstairs and a downstairs book. I have a, I'm walking the dog book. So something I'm listening to on Audible. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. right now that's How to Do the Work by Nicole LaPera, I think. Okay. Oh, and then yes. I have a, I now I have a new routine as of September. I go do the dry sauna and the cold plunge and you can't do the phones Love it. in the sauna. <laughs> you know, it's not good for the phone. Right. So I have a, a sauna books and it, it's paper. And it's like the first time in years that I've been reading a paper book and it feels like a huge accomplishment to be move through a paper book mm-hmm. and that one actually is i'm finishing um i'm finishing this week michael hyatt's your world-class assistant uh, and then i didn't realize i do oh it's just about, about hiring training and leveraging an executive assistant mm-hmm. oh okay. and okay. then I, I i love systems and organization and process and I'm working with a couple clients on optimization of their assistance so that they can put more, do a better job with systems and scaling. And then I didn't realize I do this, but on my nightstand, I have my book before bed is always a cookbook. <laughs> I love reading oh. cookbooks. <laughs> Do you dream about food? I must. I just, it's, food is my favorite thing. I just love it. Well, events are my favorite and then food or events and then flowers Uh and then food. I don't know. Those, those three things. But isn't it interesting? They all go together too. Uh, So a cookbook. But we must have heard about that, how to convince them in 90 seconds in that same event that we were in recently, because I got that from the library. Mm -hmm. It turns out it's not on Audible. And so it's now sitting in my bedroom as the, the next, nice. uh, it's like, well, it's second in line after I finish my sa- current sauna book. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Nice. <laughs> All right, nice. Suzanne, this has been amazing. I wonder what have you got going on right now that we should know about and where can Lynchpin Nation find you? Uh, SuzanneTaylorKing.com for all the good stuff. Uh, I have an incredible podcast that just uh, relaunched my live stream series. I'm about eight episodes in. I have a great episode with Bob Berg, the go-giver author, and another episode with Ethan Butte, who wrote a book called Human-Centered Communication awesome episode. Um, My most recent guest is a rebranding expert who rebrands business, uh, reinvents branding for businesses. Really great conversation. So that's one way. And then I have a community of entrepreneurs, business owners, service providers, and I have made the big hairy goal of taking them off social media and into their own platform uh, so that I can provide even more value, events, courses, swipe files, and just have over 60 courses I've created uh, in the last 15 years. And only four or five of them were available for sale. And I just thought it's time. It's time to get them yes. all in one place and I'm ready to be off social media even That's more. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to link all that up in the show notes. I am grateful awesome. for the conversation and your time today and wish you an absolutely outstanding yeah. holiday season. Thank you for being here. Thank you. you Thank you for listening to the Green Room Central podcast. If you loved this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to Instagram and be sure to tag at Sarah Faber and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear or who you'd like to hear from in the future. 
that'll help me know what to create for you. Also, if scaling events in your business sounds like something you want to tackle this year and you need a coach, let's connect to see if one-on-one coaching is for you. Just go to greenroomcentral.com. You and I can work together one-on-one throughout the course of the year and dive deep into the inner workings of your events and business. You'll receive mentorship, personalized feedback, and customized guidance to define your goals and achieve your next level of success. Just go to greenroomcentral.com right now to apply. I appreciate your commitment to leveling up and learning the mindset and strategy of live events. Keep going, keep learning. If you want more, head over to greenroomcentral.com for show notes and all the links from today's episode.